You're listening to the We Are Libertarians podcast network. Find all of our shows at wearelibertarians.com. All right, let's get back to some boring subjects. Understand the risk to our country. Freedom brings people together. You're listening to the We Are Libertarians network. Learn more at wearelibertarians.com. Welcome to We Are Libertarians. My name is Chris Spangle. This is episode 320. And... We pray the final episode of the Kavanaugh drama, but we got to play cleanup uh, here on the on October sixth, two thousand eighteen, the day that he will likely be confirmed. I'm here with Reinhold, and we will continue on with the Kavanaugh talk for everybody. Fingers crossed. The last time when we come back. Warning: This show is for adults. Produced by semi-adults. So the language is sometimes strong and offensive. Uh, I don't know what I said. Uh. Welcome to We Are Libertarians, where our goal is to help you sound smarter while talking to your friends. We examine current events from a libertarian perspective while treating modern politics with all of the irreverence it deserves. There has been lie after lie. We toss out the screaming heads, put people before political parties, and give context to the news to make you think. Now, here's our host, a 15-year veteran of politics and media, Chris Spangle. Welcome to the program. My name is Chris Spangle. We're so glad to have you here on uh, We Are Libertarians. Very exciting uh, time to be a part of We Are Libertarians, one of my favorite people, one of uh, the most hated people, the, the villain of We Are Libertarians now that Maya is gone. Uh, <laughs> it is Reinhold. Reinhold, how are you doing? I'm doing well. I, I I mention it every time, but I don't I don't know why. Maybe it's because you're too uppity. But the group <laughs> and the Discord and uh, it, social conservatives, people who lean towards Trump, I guess mm-hmm. you get under their skin. I, I guess I don't get it. Well, what I've been told is that I'm too harsh on newer leaning libertarians who aren't quite libertarian yet. By pointing out that they're not libertarian yet, by saying your position that you have isn't a libertarian position, here's why. Right. And then, who are you to tell me I'm a libertarian or not? Who made you king? Blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, I'm just telling you what the position is. I'm telling <laughs> you that you are not the only position. You are more in the paleoconservative position. Right. And you're. And it's more of a mindset. Like, your mindset is in there. Your mindset is not in the, everybody should be free to do what they want to do as long as they're not hurting anybody. So as, until you get into that mindset, you're really not right thinking libertarian thoughts. And I just I try to I have a tendency. You're helping. I have a tendency. Well, see, that's my am I helping or am I hurting? <laughs> but I, I have this tendency to push a little hard, right? Go to the pain a little bit, and then you know maybe sometimes it's not the best way to go. I have tried so many different ways to reach to people like that and it's it's hard because it's hard to suffer fools you, and i have an issue with and and when you've been a libertarian for a long time i've been a libertarian for 10 years now mm-hmm. uh you know longer than that but i i didn't realize i was a libertarian until 10 years ago the most people yeah you know you it's 20 some years 30 yeah yeah 30 and so the the newest converts i learned this when i became a christian at 18 and then a libertarian you know at 28 or whatever 27 however old i was the newest converts are always the most fervent and i think mm-hmm. it's it's uh what's i don't know what the name of the effect is but essentially it's the the people who know the least are the ones who are the most confident 
It's mm-hmm. the overconfident <laughs> idiot, you know? And so yeah. when you don't know as much and you're trying to win an argument, but you know you kind of, you just kind of, there's something called the macho flash where to win the argument, you just go aggressive. Mm-hmm. And uh, if Google macho flash by Michael Cloud and you'll kind of see this is a libertarian um, writer who basically outlined, he was a, he taught communication for libertarians and um, wrote this this concept but you know we're not you're not unique and special is what i'm saying uh but i think when you've been a a libertarian for a long time a you're just so frustrated with statists people who are republicans and democrats who just are so sure of themselves and yet they're just advocating things that are that are hurting us and you get frustrated at that and you get frustrated at losing at every election and then you get frustrated by the new people who you're so sure about things that you really don't understand yet. Like libertarianism, I think is I, when I when I was a new convert, I was talking to a person in the local party, and I said, "Man, I'm just struggling. Like, there's just so much to learn." Mm-hmm. And he said, "There's not that much to learn if you just Crazy. understand the basic underlying principles. Right. If you just go back to first principles, and then you use that as the standard on every issue, because." I was looking at it issue by issue by right. issue. I, you know? I got in that conversation earlier. Right. And so what I, you know, what I believe is is about issues and how we do this show, it really goes back to what are the first principles? What are my basic foundational principles? What do I, how do I think I should approach people as human beings? Like I said last episode, I'm a person that sees every human life uh, as as worthy of dignity, respect and love. Mm-hmm. You know, even the worst amongst us. And so um, I believe that people should be treated with respect when you're having dialogue until there comes a time when it's just time to troll because you don't I don't waste my time on those idiots. Mm-hmm. You know, when it comes to government, it's how small can we possibly make the government and how do we you know, so sometimes it feels like overwhelming when you become a new libertarian because you're like, I have to learn a new way to think. But if you just go back to those foundational principles of don't hurt people, don't take other people's stuff, don't steal you know, and that applies to the group just because we vote on it, it doesn't change it, then you start to get a clearer picture. It's like op- open borders versus closed borders. Okay, well, you saw closed borders with, with the o- over the summer and how many people it takes to run shelters, right. to run, uh, you know, defense systems alongst our border. Like, that's not, that's not limited government. That's not small government. That's right. not no government. That's, that's authoritarianism in a way. And so... Open borders are the pure libertarian position. Now, you can say, you can have that cognitive dissonance, and you can say, and there are a lot of people, and I have issues, and you have issues like this, that I know I'm unlibertarian in this in this instance, but I just think this way. But libertarianism is a constant, and so once you kind of get those fundamentals down, then you're good. Right. I'm okay with somebody who says, okay, I, I look at everything, so the basic libertarian... Uh, people should be free to do what they want to do as long as they're not hurting anybody else, right? Or not right. violating their rights to live their lives as they choose. That's it. That's really the extent of it. And then, and then you get people who want to go into the economics and go into hard into these tomes that are written, uh, anarchism and everything else. That's that's great, and go for that. But as long as you're looking at every issue that comes up through that lens, that filtered lens of is this something you know. Does it fit in with my libertarian principles? Right. If you can make that argument, and there's a lot of times where you can kind of make an argument where you can say, okay, 
this is libertarian in my view because of this. And if I look at it this way a little bit differently, and I respect that a lot more than people who are just like, I'm a libertarian on nine of 12 issues. I don't care about those other three. Cause, right. Cause that's how, and to me, that's more of a, there's more of a mindset on a lot of people who think they're libertarian because they want to be left alone. Yeah. It's like, that's great that you want to be left alone, but everybody wants to be left alone. If you're not defending other people's desire for that too, if you're just letting them hang in the wind because it doesn't affect you, then you're really not thinking of it the right way. Yeah. So it is confusing once you get into the into the issues. And there are a lot of great shows out there who talk about the fundamentals of libertarian thought. Tom Woods, our friend uh, Johnny Adams, or Johnny Rocket, excuse yeah, me, Johnny Rocket. Uh, with Blast Off, The Lions of Liberty, mm-hmm. Roger Paxton at Lava Flow. Uh, don't roll your eyes, Reinhold. Uh, Roger... Uh, Roger actually said something nice to me. I'll, but I'll, let me finish up what my, my little. Uh, it wasn't backhanded. Here. No, it was very nice. I'll have to play <laughs> it here for you. Um, he's he's a nice boy. Uh, so you know, there's a lot of programs that talk about that fundamental. Um, they talk about the fundamental uh, stuff and philosophy a lot. And what we try to do is something different than what you get from other libertarian shows, and that we try to talk about issues we talk about current events we talk about news politics politics first and foremost but also religion social issues cultural issues i think a lot of libertarian podcasters are afraid to wade into the culture wars because it's just it gets it's it's not good for business you know but what i've tried to do is there are excuse me i thought i had this on pause there are a lot of people who you talk about uh, you know, libertarians are divided. Fifty percent are conservative. Fifty percent are liberal. I, th- I just think there's it's it's. Uh, so what I try to do is I try to find liberal leaning people, conservative leaning people, iconoclasts, mm-hmm. and have them on this program, and give you a full range of topics. But what what is central to all of our co-hosts are that they're libertarians. You know, they're they're within the realm. Um, because I don't, I don't think that uh, I don't put a standard on it. I don't think you have to be an anarchist to be on this program, a minarchist, a, a you know um, pragmatic person, or a radical person. Or I want to hear a range of libertarian voices and have a conversation about the human experience in 2018. And uh, so, one thing that we're we're starting to do is a daily 20 minute show. And so, I did this on the Chris Spangle show, and it almost killed me. Uh, and I, I, I did, uh, it was funny because everybody's like, yeah, it was really good with the consistency there. And then you kind of went off the rails. I was like, <laughs> um, you mean when I was doing seven shows a week and, uh, I was doing 10 hours of broadcasting and then I went on vacation and still, instead of doing nothing scheduled two sh- I was So I was a little irritated at one of our group members, but I love him. Uh, and so, <laughs> but I was just so exhausted by the experience of doing it every day because as I've said, it's it, you open it up it, like think of your mind as a bucket and if you're doing content you have to pour into your mind i think life is this way you have to pour into your mind information you have to read you have to read quickly you have to read i think there's slow and fast fast is the news and reading magazines and then there's slow which is long research and reading books and you know, so so you try to do both, and it doesn't leave a lot of time for that slow thinking, that long term thinking. If you're doing a daily show, because you poked holes at the bottom of your bucket and it's just pouring out. Mm-hmm. And uh, so Harry had the idea uh, about a year, year and a half ago. Why don't you know? There's a lot of co-hosts who don't have a voice 
they come on, we talk about what you want to talk about, but there's issues that they're interested in that we don't get to. Right. And I said, yeah, that's a great point, but we're not at a point where we can do that infrastructure-wise, and we are now. And people really seem to respond so positively to me doing that daily show. Uh, personally, it was not possible to do it on a daily basis until I can do this full-time. Uh, and I really like my job, and I have no plans on quitting my job anytime soon, my day job. Um, and so what we're going to do is people like Reinhold, Sarah Brady-Wagner, Harry... Uh, Tad Western, a bunch of people that you may not have ever heard before, people from other networks. You know, I've talked to the Lions of Liberty folks, the um, the uh, Johnny Rocket Launchpad, the the Launchpad Media is what it's called now. I, sorry, I'm a creature of habit. Launchpad Media crew, you know, talking to some interesting voices that you've heard of and you haven't heard of and saying, hey, you know, you do maybe a philosophy show. You want to talk about current events? So we're now going to start launching a 20-minute daily. So there's going to be something in the feed every day. So at least two episodes and three shorts, or we're going to do you know, five, you know, know, one five episode, of, or there will be five shorts and two episodes. So we're just trying to give you more opinion because the thing that I hear in surveys most often is the, the chief complaint is there's not enough, which is truly humbling and greatly appreciated. And uh, I really do appreciate that. Number two is uh, I want to hear from more voices. Surprisingly, this audience does not want an echo chamber, and I love that about you guys. The The survey that I do that you can find at the bottom of weirdlibertarians.com if you want to leave your anonymous op- opinion of things, uh, the, and I see it in the iTunes reviews, I want to hear more voices. I want to hear from people on the right and the left. I want to hear people argue because if I hear you guys argue with a leftist, for instance, it helps me and argue with my leftist friends. And this program is all about arming you with facts and information for when you're talking to your friends and family. That's our goal. Our, our tagline now is, we help you sound smarter with your friends. That's our goal. And uh, we always ask that if you, if you walk away with an aha moment or a piece of information that, you feel, that makes you feel smarter or more informed, then please share that episode and say, hey, I learned this from this show. Because the only way to really grow in this day and age in independent media is through you sharing the content. And uh, so then the the third is I want you to be more consistent. And the only way for me to be consistent to do this at the level that I want to hit, when I sit behind this microphone, I want to be 7 out of 10. I know I can't be 10 out of 10 on an episode every time, but I'm certainly not going to sit here and do a 3 out of 10 and pretend that I don't know what I'm doing. I think the last year I found my voice. I'm not relying on other co-hosts to do the research. I'm doing the research. I found my voice. And so if I don't feel that I have an episode that uh, is going to be worth your time, I'm not going to do it. And so sometimes there's going to be one episode a week. It, it will mostly be two. Um, but if, if, uh, if I don't feel that it is worth an hour and a half or two hours of your time, I'm not going to post it. I'm just not going to do it. Uh, because it is, a, it is a commitment for you to, to listen to a podcast that is over 15 minutes. You know? And so I want to honor your time by making sure that when I sit behind this microphone, it's at least 7 out of 10. And I feel that we have done a really good job over the last year of just hitting over, over 700. You know? so, um, so this kind of solves some of those problems. My big fear is that people are going to go, this is too much content and unsubscribe. Mm-hmm. But... Um, you know, I hope that doesn't happen. I hope that you appreciate more of the content. And if you like it, do do several things. Share it. 
share the content, share the podcast feed, ask people to listen. If you if you hear an episode that really hits you uh, hard, and I, I ask you personally to give people a chance, if I'm not on it, listen to that show. You know, because sometimes people go, well, it's not the normal thing. <laughs> Just experiment a little bit. Give them a shot. And if you're if you really are into it, pay them a compliment. That's the currency here, and, and we do this. You know, we make a we make good money on Patreon, but that goes to support the network. So I, I'm not in a position where I can afford to pay co-hosts, for instance. So compliments and supporting. Yeah, sorry, Dennis. <laughs> sorry, Reinhold. Uh, and so the the currency is compliments and supporting their independent projects. You know, Sarah Brady Wagner, for instance, has the Speaking of Liberty podcast. Tad has Tad Talk. Brian Nichols has the Brian Nichols Show. The Boss Hog guys, the Boss Hog of Liberty. Go and support those efforts. Um, and so pay them a compliment and send me a note and say, hey, I really like this host or I really liked this episode. Because that I'm all about feedback and testing and surveys and understanding what works and how to improve your experience. And I think if you go back and listen to 2013 versus now, you see why that's important. You see the progress and the growth. And third is support us on Patreon. Uh, I would I would humbly ask that you support us financially, and then let me know. Hey, I just joined Patreon because of more content. You know, so those are those are the things that I'm asking. Those are the things that we are doing uh, here to continue to grow. This is an experiment, and if it doesn't work, if we look at it in a month, three months, and it's not working, then we'll we'll kill it. You know, I but I always want to test things out and see what I can do. You know, this is the core. There will always be two episodes of We Are Libertarians. We Are Libertarians will always exist. This is the foundation of the entire platform and network. But everything else, we kind of test and try things out. Right, and don't forget the uh, the voicemail that you can that oh, yeah. people can send in. Yeah, Speakpipe. You can you can listen to a voicemail. You can, uh, y- it, yeah, that's a really good point because what you get is. Uh, some really cool stuff like let me play let me play this for you it may need to load here yeah, for let us hear your voices too yeah we want to hear if you have a question about politics or the libertarian philosophy or a comment about something you can go to we are and you can actually leave us a voice memo like uh this person did woody i'm a long time sorry listener. hey I'm Woody. I'm a long-time listener, but I don't do the whole feedback thing. I always hear the, the editor at wearelibertarians.com and, ooh, tell us uh, on Facebook. But I'm not exactly a writer guy, so uh, I'm trying out this voice uh, voice message thing, and it works. Uh, anyway, uh, I started listening when you did those The Cost episodes because – well, sure, I can get numbers and facts from other news sites. The, those interviews that you did with people whose lives have been messed up by the government, uh, it really gave it the spark of humanity and you know, made it matter. And thank you for show notes, oh my goodness. No one I talk to or argue with is going to listen to a podcast I send them to, especially the Libertarian podcast. But when I've got a link to back up what I'm saying, boom, I can make a grounded argument. And when I got those links on the Jacksonville Landing shooting and the crisis in South Africa, I could copy, I could paste it, it would back me up. I actually changed minds because facts are how you do it, and it's all backed up with 
the informations from social media and like 10 actual real credible sources uh yeah i yeah thanks because i bet it's quite a pain to type up all your notes and thanks for getting interviews devoting your time to the podcast but twice a week i see that notification from google play and it's awesome you're awesome you and harry rock a lot and uh thanks so yeah you can leave a message like that and let us know what you like and don't like uh and you know that's the importance of supporting us on patreon making the work worth it and if you uh, we're reaching new libertarians we're reaching people and having an impact in a way that a lot of other shows don't because we're using something a concept called newsjacking you take the news and you do content around it in an effort to pique people's interests you know, so when they're the, our numbers on Kavanaugh are off the charts because everybody's talking about it, and people who don't pay attention often don't know what to think about things, and so they go, eh, "I'll check this out," especially from an independent media source. So, I mean, uh, I want to play one more. This is the kind of impact that we're having. Having, and when you donate on Patreon, this is what you're contributing towards. Hey, I just wanted to tell you about my story of how I came across We Are Libertarians. I had a friend of mine post on Facebook, and she said it was one of her favorite episodes from one of her favorite podcasts. Now, I don't really listen to podcasts very often, unless they're about something I'm really interested in. But I thought that if she said it was that good, it might be worth a listen. At first, I kind of saw the length, saw it was over two hours long, and I thought there's no way I could pay attention or listen this entire time. But after five minutes of discussion, I was so into the story that I couldn't stop listening. It was one about South Africa and what's going on over there. At work, I had a discussion with my coworkers about South Africa, and it really was just an echo chamber of the same opinion over and over. The day after I heard the podcast, we were talking about it again, and the stuff that I learned made me seem like an expert. I think everyone kind of tries to be that guy at the office that's smarter than everyone else, but nobody likes to be that guy, you know what I mean? Instead, I found that I became the guy at the office that found a ton of common ground with my Republican and Democrat friends, and now they come to me like I know everything all of a sudden. My only complaint is that I want to hear your input on even more issues. But that's pretty much it. Just keep doing what you're doing. So that is that is what we're up to. That is the power of sharing the content online with your friends. Uh, and all of that is run by Patreon, which you can donate at wearelibertarians.com slash support. You can find a bunch of options on how to support the program, like a yearly contribution, a, a weekly contribution, a monthly contribution through Patreon or PayPal. Uh, and it all just really goes to, to help out a lot. So I, I appreciate everybody who is going to participate in the daily program and uh, everybody who's going to listen and share it. So without further ado, uh, that is enough of the update. If you want to hear the Roger complimenting me thing, I won't, I won't play it, but uh, he... Um, it's he, in the feed, too. It's in the, it's in the Patreon feed, and it's also oh. in SoundCloud. There's also a new network feed, so uh, somebody <laughs> asked for this. I call it the Christy Avery memorial feed. She's not dead, but we want to honor her memory. Uh, so Because it's every show from the We Are Libertarians network. You can grab that at wearelibertarians.com. Uh, if you just want an easy way to listen to all the shows, download them and listen at work like Christy Avery does. Uh, <laughs> she's um, she's like, uh, she's on the chat. You know, If you're $10 a month, you get access to uh, the, the live chat as we're as we're doing this she's like saturday morning i'm so confused <laughs> well as i said you know the doing two two shows tuesday and thursday nights it didn't allow enough prep time between and it was just too much so now we're going to start scheduling these on saturdays when i can get more co-hosts uh and so you'll have you'll have a a wednesday yeah. show in the feed and a saturday show in your feed 
Right. Uh, and and then along with the daily. And that so, helps because this because doing it on a Saturday can be more relaxed because we're not like exactly all working all day. Then we get over here and we try to do this, and then right. we want to go to bed soon. So yeah, and take it's, our time. Like we finished at ten thirty on Tuesday night, and Ooh, you know yeah, so. That was a, so I'm asking a lot of people to come to my house and do this, and so to make it easier on people to get more co-hosts over, I'm I'm switching it to Saturday. Plus, my voice sounds better because I've not been talking all day, <laughs> uh, and so I'm I'm uh, gonna have to have to do that. So without further ado, I apologize for my chattiness. Uh, I know it felt like a 10 minute commercial, but I really just want to reiterate the impact that this audience is having on people. The impact that this program and our co-hosts are having on people and how much we appreciate your contributions at Patreon and when you share it. And hey, we'll retweet you or reshare it on Facebook. So uh, make sure you tag myself or We Are Libertarians. All right. This is going to be the last of the Kavanaugh episodes. I'm praying so because uh, today we are we've we had CNN streaming in the background, but I turned it off for bandwidth. And um, I believe that he will be confirmed today. Most likely. Uh, Murkowski is not Murkowski the Republican who is a Republican until a Democrat she won in 2016 she's there for another four years if the Democrats take the Senate there's no doubt in my mind that she's gonna go independent and then caucus with Democrats to try and win her seat because she won in in Alaska uh, as a write-in candidate Mm -hmm. her father Frank Murkowski was the senator uh, from Mm -hmm. Alaska forever and so she's a heritage person. Uh, she's not voting for Kavanaugh, but Joe Manchin of, of West Virginia, a Democrat, is voting for Kavanaugh. And so now it's going to be 51-49. Flake is voting for Kavanaugh. He was uh, just making Trump sweat. Um, he's the one who asked for the week long. And Susan Collins is voting for uh, Kavanaugh. Now, so... I don't know how much he was making Trump sweat or how much he was covering his own. Because yeah. he got attacked. He got jumped in the hall trying to get into the elevator and he started feeling bad about he said on 60 minutes that (laughs) he was directly asked like if you were running for re-election would you have done the week-long delay for the fbi investigation he said absolutely not there's no way right you know so uh i think this is going to have a big impact in november i think uh for every leftist that is screaming today at a senator whether it's a, a good thing or a bad thing. Exactly. A thousand more independents changed their vote to Republicans because they don't want these lunatics in charge. You know, it's like Amy Schumer getting arrested outside <laughs> along with uh, Emily Ratatowski. Yeah. Uh, I think that the, the girl who's famous for showing her boobs on that one music video, the Blurred Lines video, that's oh, literally yeah. why she's famous. Uh, I don't know why uh, Amy Schumer's famous. But, on the Blurred Lines video, she's... Because... Okay, that, I mean, I mean, you should probably look it up for science. That's like soft rape there on that whole video, anyway. <laughs> uh, so, I I can't find this Candace Owens tweet, but she was basically like, "You're the definition of white privilege." Like, you're you're <laughs> you two are getting arrested. You're barely well, they're, getting they're arrested. Demanding for, to be arrested, right? Yeah. Uh, so, so there's there's a lot of layers here that we want to kind of clean up. There's the political impact. There's why Kavanaugh shouldn't be on the Supreme Court. In the to begin with, there's the credibility of Kavanaugh and Ford. Uh, so, where do you want to begin? Um, my first thought, what I really wanted to address, I'm, I'm overruling most. you. Okay, uh, I want to start with why Kavanaugh shouldn't be shouldn't, why he shouldn't be on the, be on the Supreme, Supreme Court? Court. Yes, 
And uh, I have a lot of reasons why, but do you want to get into the actual constitutional reasons why? I want to or? start with the constitutional okay. reasons, and I'm gonna I'm gonna outsource this to Ben Swan because Ben right. put together a video that you'll find in the show notes. I've got a ton of articles as usual in the show notes for this episode that you can find at wearelibertarians.com. And uh, he put together the three constitutional reasons why Kavanaugh should not be on the Supreme Court. And I thought it was a really, really good explanation. Uh, ben Swan, if you don't know, is he, he runs an outfit called, uh, he does these videos called Reality Check. He's funded by Dash, which is a uh, cryptocurrency, and uh, is a libertarian journalist who became prominent in Cincinnati when he started doing these libertarian-leaning reality checks on his local TV news started a site called Truth and Media, had to get a real job for a while because he didn't get enough support in Atlanta as a TV reporter, and then Dash basically resurrected his career as a libertarian newsman. Uh, so he's very popular. Uh, so this is three reasons why he should not be in the Supreme Court. The circus that has surrounded the Brett Kavanaugh nomination to the U.S. Supreme Court has been drowned out by 36-year-old uncooperated accusations of sexual assault. Now, do you support Kavanaugh's nomination? If so, you likely do because you know almost nothing about his record, but you feel for him personally. Do you oppose Kavanaugh? If you do, it's likely for the very same reason. But today, we're going to tell you why, for constitutional reasons, Brett Kavanaugh should likely not be a Supreme Court justice. Is Brett Kavanaugh actually an enemy of the Fourth Amendment? Let's give it a reality check. Reality Check with Ben Swan, powered by SmartCash. Well, all of the noise around the Brett Kavanaugh nomination to the Supreme Court has really accomplished only one thing. It has prevented any real concerns over Kavanaugh's history and view of the Constitution. Today, three reasons why Kavanaugh should likely not be on the U.S. Supreme Court. Number one, the Patriot Act. You may or may not know that during the time of the September 11th terror attacks, Brett Kavanaugh was an associate White House counsel for then-President George W. Bush. Now, he was instrumental in helping to draft and create one of the most unconstitutional laws ever passed in this country. We're talking about the Patriot Act. According to the Electronic Privacy Information Center, the Supreme Court Justice nominee in emails at that time referred to the Patriot Act as, quote, measured, careful, responsible, and a constitutional approach. He has been definitively credited with the line, quote, the new law will update laws authorizing government surveillance, which demonstrates one very important thing, that the Fourth and Fifth Amendment protections of due process and protections against warrantless searches and government surveillance is something that Kavanaugh believes could be updated in the Constitution. As the Foundation for Economic Freedom points out, quote, anyone who knows anything about the Patriot Act knows that constitutional and careful are by no means accurate descriptions. The Patriot Act obliterated the Fourth and Fifth Amendment rights to privacy and due process by giving the federal government sweeping new powers to conduct surveillance on the American people, end quote. Number two, his role in the U.S. torture memos and enemy combatants issue. Now, while in the Bush White House, Kavanaugh was involved in two very important discussions, the first of which surrounded the use of torture by the administration. In 2004, a series of memos, which were originally composed while Kavanaugh served the Bush administration, well, those were released. And in short, these memos told a story of members of the Bush administration 
attempting to broadly expand the legal definition of torture to justify waterboarding and sleep deprivation as being permissible. Those memos also detailed the Bush administration's attempt to seek the authority to label anyone of their choosing, anyone, as an enemy combatant, thus subjecting them to the possibility of indefinite detention in facilities like Guantanamo Bay. While undergoing his nomination to the Court of Appeals for the District of Columbia Circuit in 2006, Kavanaugh testified that he knew nothing about these memos or the attempt to frame a legal argument for indefinite detention, saying this, quote, I think with respect to the legal justifications or the policies relating to the treatment of detainees, I was not aware of any issues on that or the legal memos that subsequently came out. This was not part of my docket, either in the counsel's office or as staff secretary, end quote. But in 2007, the Washington Post reported that in 2002, there was in fact a contentious meeting in the White House over whether the Supreme Court would allow the enemy combatant to be used for any American the government deemed an enemy, and that now Judge Kavanaugh was not only present at this meeting, but was specifically summoned to weigh in on the matter since he himself was a former clerk for the swing vote judge, Justice Anthony Kennedy. At the meeting, he reportedly voiced his concerns that Justice Kennedy and other swing voters on the Supreme Court would never side with the administration's controversial decision to label any person, any American citizen, an enemy combatant. Number three, Kavanaugh apparently doesn't believe in privacy. Now, no doubt you remember when Edward Snowden, the former NSA contractor, revealed this massive spying program that had been underway by the federal government for years, spying on and gathering information on virtually every American citizen. Well, during that time, Judge Kavanaugh, he was and he still is on the U.S. Court of Appeals for the D.C. Circuit. It's the second most powerful court in the nation. But it was in this position that Kavanaugh sided with government mass surveillance, stating that, quote, the government's metadata collection program is entirely consistent with the Fourth Amendment. He also later stated that, quote, critical national security need outweighs the impact on privacy occasioned by this program, end quote. See, Judge Kavanaugh, simply put, believes that you do not have an inherent right to privacy, something that a true constitutionalist would believe in because privacy and the right to be free from constant surveillance is the very foundation of our Constitution. Judge Andrew Napolitano gave a lecture recently explaining how Kavanaugh holds the Fourth Amendment in such low regard. Take a look. It's essential American right in the Fourth, the right to be left alone, which of course today we call privacy. The Fourth is the most unique one because it says the people, it doesn't say the citizens, it says the people shall not be interfered with in their persons, houses, papers, and effects. Persons, houses, papers, and effects. Except by a warrant signed by a judge based on probable cause. Probable cause means probable cause of crime. It doesn't mean probable cause that you're talking to a book agent in Florence, a real case in which the NSA was listening to a conversation in Italian. They thought they were hearing a, a terrorist. They were just hearing a guy in New York trying to buy a book from the book agent in Florence. When the case came to court, the judge said, well, there's no prosecution here. They didn't come after you for anything you said. Therefore, there's no violation of the Fourth Amendment. Who wrote that opinion? See if you've heard of this guy. He's writing Kavanaugh. About which more later. 
So what you need to know is that Judge Brett Kavanaugh's nomination has, again, turned into a circus. Brett Kavanaugh, make no mistake, is not a constitutionalist. The Fourth Amendment to the Constitution is one of the most critically important in order to maintain a free republic. Brett Kavanaugh, throughout his career, has actually worked to destroy the freedoms that the Fourth Amendment protects. And that is the reason Kavanaugh should be resisted. But part of the reason that these issues are not at the forefront of this argument, because the politicians who oppose him and those who support him, virtually all of them, also hold the Fourth Amendment in contempt. They also, all of them, don't believe that you have a right to privacy or freedom from unlawful search or freedom from government spying. See, Brett Kavanaugh's appointment to the U.S. Supreme Court, if it happens, it's not a disregard of women, as the media will tell you. It's a disregard of freedom. That's Reality Check. Let's talk about that right now on social media. All right. So uh, first and foremost, sorry to the video stream. I just realized that we didn't have the uh, board going out to the, to the stream. So, so they were just watching us. They were just watching us watch something. Uh, uh, so, I, But I figured it out about <laughs> five minutes into that, uh, and I've, I've messed something else up. So... Uh, so if you heard the sound being a little odd, but I thought that was a really good summation. That was a better summation than I was going to be able to do. And the freedom for uh, the fee, basically, I put the the article in there as well. Wrote a great article on on a lot of that uh, on why. He, so there's more details in that as well. All that in the show notes at wearelibertarians.com. But uh, that I think is uh, big. Those are big reasons why Brett Kavanaugh is someone that libertarians can't support. Because as Sarah Brady Wagner said in Wall Daily One, his inclination is to support big government first right. and foremost. He's a creature of the swamp. He has been there with Bush when executive powers were expanded, and he was the legal mind that was de- that was relied on in a lot of ways to grow government over the last twenty years. And the other thing too is, I mean. So a lot of these justices are getting in are getting in in a case of looking at all this is is the government able to do this um can we can we make what the government wants to do fit in what the constitution says instead of this is clearly not what was intended when this was written right so that's the the originalist viewpoint of of the constitution and the person who you know makes the best argument of the for the originalism of the constitution is Madison who wrote that himself. Right. Right. So I, I think the person who wrote the constitution would probably be the, the person you should go to and say, Hey, what was going on when you wrote this? What were you thinking? What was mm-hmm. the point of it? And we don't have justices being nominated now that do that anymore. Right. Plus the fact that in, in that video, uh, one of the points he mentions is, Judge Kavanaugh lied to Congress in his confirmation hearing by saying he did not know about these memos that he was actually part of. Right. So one of the things I'm really frustrated about is why is lying to Congress not a big deal anymore? All right. So so I knew you'd bring this up. So I wanted to look up the, the actual definition right. of perjury. Okay. So, so, so th- let me explain what the definition of perjury is, because perjury is what matters. Right. Uh, this is nope. the uh, this is the actual code. Let me read it. Then, all right, U.S. U.S. Code eighteen sixteen twenty one perjury generally, uh, and, and this is in the show notes. Whoever, having taken an oath before a competent tribunal officer or person in any case in which a law of the United States authorizes an oath to be administered, that he will testify, declare, depose, or cer- certify truly 
or that any written testimony, declaration, or deposition, or certificate by him subscribed is true, willfully and contrary to such an such oath states, or subscribes that any material matter, which he does not believe to be true, or in any declaration, certificate, verification, or statement under the penalty of perjury as permitted under Section 1746 of Title 28, U.S. Code wills, willfully subscribes as true as any material matter which he does not believe to be true. And it goes on. But the definition of perjury, lying to Congress is – lying is bad. We all agree that lying is bad. It, it is uh, – but penal, perjury is the political football that people always pick up. And so if I were to go in front of Congress and let's say I were being prosecuted in front of Congress for – for bank fraud, all right? If I go in front of uh, Congress and I say, the day that I stole the money, or, or the, the day that is in question was a sunny day, but it was actually rainy, and I know fully, I willfully say that it was rainy when it was sunny, that's not perjury. You're lying to Congress, but it's not perjury because it's not material to what is being investigated. Now, if I were to say that uh, I did not ever steal this money and then you know you catch me then you could try me for perjury you try me for bank fraud but you can tack on perjury later mm-hmm. so so some of the things that Brett Kavanaugh when people bring up perjury and he perjured himself in this and there's equal amounts of little things in Ford's testimony like uh the the door we'll get into the door later uh where she says you know she says I'm a, I'm claustrophobic the way that this came out in 2012 was that we were renovating our home and I wanted an extra door for safety. And my husband didn't understand why people didn't understand why. And then in, in therapy, I, that's when I came out with the Kavanaugh you know, the origin or origination. See, the reason I let <laughs> Swan do that is because he can say surveillance. Right. Um, but you know, so she, so it is material to her testimony when she's saying, you know, why this came out and then but the then records show according to real clear investigations that this was tacked on for a uh an in-home uh, counselor years before they lived there and so she was she misremembering or was she lying and so that's that's the question is it, it is material to the investigation but you'd have to prove intent that she was lying about this door in her testimony but given that she's kind of a, I'm sorry to say this, but she's kind of a, a bubblehead. She's sort of like flighty. It seems like with with the little voice and everybody goes on the voice. It's like the voice doesn't. It's the voice is specifically. I think the voice is somewhat of a put on. You don't think it, it's I, real? I, it's I, a okay, real voice. Okay, I think there's two ways to look at this. There is the the there is the pro Blazy Ford version, mm-hmm. which is that victims of trauma. Sometimes when they're when they are abused, they their voice gets stuck at that age, and so some women, if you if you ever run into anyone who who's a woman who kind of talks like this, she sounds like a five year old. Then sometimes, if you pry into that person's history enough, you'd find out that there was a traumatic situation that happened at five, and this is very common in uh, trauma victims of all genders, all races, creeds, colors. It's the human mind. Is is that certain things about the Certain things about your personality get suspended at, at a point when trauma happens. There are certain parts of my personality that are just stuck at fifteen, right. you know. And and I th- so I think when you hear a woman who who is testifying before Congress that kind of sounds fifteen, 
mm-hmm. and is saying something traumatic happened at 15, that's a data point that you could put in her in her corner. Mm-hmm. But there's also something to be said for the way that she conducts I posted mm-hmm. in the group this body language video that kind mm-hmm. of points out like the cutesy poses and mm-hmm. the voice and these are kind of like these are tricks and tools right. to use to seem vulnerable so you'll believe me. Well, and the other and the other thing so, too is that she's a she's a psychologist so she knows exactly. all of this trauma points and knows what it's going to be to to back up her story from a trauma and, point of view. And that's the cynical view is that yeah. she's doing it as a way to get you to believe her because she knows how to rig the system because mm-hmm. of her extensive training and Michael Savage has even gone far as well, to connect her to the CIA. That's one of the things. Yeah, but you can you can look that one up for yourself. <laughs> Um, he's wrong, by the way. <laughs> like, what? Her husband or dad or somebody? They said, was they said her dad, and and it turns out he's talking about the wrong person. Okay. He looked up on Wikipedia. The person he was talking to doesn't have, uh, didn't have children or whatever. It's not her grandfather. It's so, her father, and then her brother was part of the CPS or not CPS, but the the Fusion, right? Uh, and he was a decade and a half before right. he left. I mean, it's like. Yeah, I put in there a factcheck.org article that kind of outlines this and some other conspiracy theories floating around about Ford that you can look up. I'm not going to take your time on this program about it, but uh, there are some things that are just not true. But back to the Ford point, I think you can kind of say, like, all right, her voice could be a data point or it could be her putting it on because she's an, she's a, an expert in, in this field. Now, when it comes to Kavanaugh, you have to look at it and you have to go, okay, if he is knowingly saying, for instance, that he never blacked out drunk, he fell asleep one time because he got too drunk, mm-hmm. it, 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 it is hard to believe that someone who uh, ran with Mark Judge based on his autobiography and ran in these social circles when people kind of say this was the environment in the 80s, and just our own knowledge of how, yeah, I mean, you're you're of the, you're of the same. <laughs> He's a year age. older than I am. Yeah, and so you you have, but you know, when I was growing up, everybody was binge drinking except for me, <laughs> you know, and you kind of go, okay, that stretches credibility. So then the argument becomes, did he perjure himself? Well, is it material to what is being investigated? I believe so. And so you could you can make the case that it is material to the original claim that. The amount that you drank, your behavior, is something to be questioned in that time frame if we were to get at the truth of what happened when you were 17. Right. So, it, Well, he's accused of, during that moment, he was drunk. Right. So he's saying he didn't get to that point where he was drunk where it would impair his judgment. So this, I think, becomes a material issue. I mean, he's the one who, brought, who brings us up by stating these facts. He, he introduces them as being relevant. Right at that point. So, what ha- What I think what happened though is that the Democrats, because they're not lawyers, well, they are lawyers, but they're bad ones apparently, mm-hmm. didn't push him on the issues in the right way to get him to definitively say yes or no. He was so evasive. He was during his testimony. It was just astounding to watch. Yeah, um, that they were letting him get away with that to say, okay, you know. Especially when they started going into the terms, that was just the, the the most obvious section, right? Where, you know, what is the devil's triangle? Oh, it's a drinking game. Oh, come on. No. Yeah. I grew up then. It's not. So I put a couple articles in the show notes that kind of go into that, mm-hmm. both into the temperament issue. Um, and Jacob Solom, who is a writer at Reason that I really respect, 
wrote an article saying Brett Kavanaugh's emotions don't disqualify him, but his inflammatory and evasive strategy mm-hmm. may be another matter. But, it, you know, the, the claim has evolved with Kavanaugh on mm-hmm. the left, and Ben Shapiro has pointed this out, that we've gone from, you know, he's Trump's pick, so he's, he's not qualified, and then mm-hmm. it's gone to he's a rapist, and then it's gone to he's too emotional, mm-hmm. and then it's gone to, you know, he's too evasive, and then it's gone to he perjured himself. It's like... There's an and this always happens with the left more than the right. It seems that there's always an an evolution of the charges, right? And there's a, it's a called drift. moving the goalposts. Yeah, some people say exactly. Part of it. But there's also something to be said that you're trying to determine somebody's um, ethical qualifications, right? So what are their ethics? And you're putting them on a position of the Supreme Court, it's supposed to be the highest in the land. Shouldn't you watch? through that process to see how the person reacts underneath all of that, determine what kind of person they're going to be on the court. I mean, this, this is, I know people hate to say this, but this is more of a job interview than it is a criminal case. Okay. No, it, it, it may be, but at what job interview are you accused of mm-hmm. gang rape right at the beginning? I mean, yeah, it, but it's, what, but, it's, it's, you can say it's a job interview all you want, but that's a convenient excuse to try and say, well, it's job interview and his temperament matters. Mm-hmm. It's like I would be as angry and as pissed off if I felt that I did not gang rape women mm-hmm. and that Michael Avenatti was publishing BS. And then mm-hmm. this woman takes a week to figure the, the second and third accuser are so insanely uh, they're they're just totally uncredible, incredible. Right. I'm not sure which the word is, uh, you know, and then but then you have the media continue to repeat that he's been accused by three women, even after mm-hmm. the the second two have been disproved. You know, you've seen the erosion of Blasey Ford's testimony. You have the article coming out late uh, by the Wall Street Journal talking about the uh, leaning on of Blasey Ford's witnesses because Blasey Ford's witnesses all say, I don't know who Kavanaugh is. And then then there's phone calls. I mean, we can look we can go into those details in a moment. Mm -hmm. But. You know, Kavanaugh is, uh, and then you've got the death threats against your your family, your daughter. Everyone's being harassed. Mm-hmm. Like I'm on both s- sides, I, I, yeah. of course, absolutely. But That's I'm horrible. I'm sorry. Uh, this is a traumatic event mm-hmm. for Je- for Brett Kavanaugh right. and his family. This is, and and no mm-hmm. matter even if he were guilty of what he is being accused of, it still doesn't change the fact that this is a traumatic moment. Mm-hmm. And you don't always act correctly in a traumatic moment. There's probably a little theater that he had to look aggressive. You know, I mean, you I, watch. Just, I have a theory that that was more intended for Trump than it was anybody else. Sure, and, you know, and Trump's behavior has been mm-hmm. weird, uh, but we'll touch on that. But uh, so the the whole argument that he doesn't has have judicial temperament. I'm sorry, it doesn't have the same context as ten years from now when he's sitting on the court bench right. in his and office. I, and I'm not a. I'm not opposed to him being upset and angry and having a temperament that that's not my argument at all my argument it is are he's willing to lie to people to in order to get this position to congress and i don't think that that's a thing you want the judge to do now you you may say it's not technically perjury but he's not answering truthfully there's no is, way you can say he is but is presenting the best face of the evidence lying when you when you are when he is presenting himself as a choir boy, he's presenting probably you and I can sit here and we can talk about our personal history and I can tell you the real version or mm-hmm. I can tell you the best version and both are true. But so you know you're you're claiming he's lying by omission. 
Uh, no, I'm going to say he's lying but, by saying things that aren't true. Okay, like what? Like when, when you ask him, what do these terms mean? And he's telling you they mean something that, that they would never mean in, in that time frame. But how can you prove that? Go to his uh, how can contemporaries you, and say, okay, in this book, this was written. Why was this written? But how do you prove that boffing meant to him it could have been farting and to others it could have been butt effing? Like there's, I'm sorry, there is. Okay, and, 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 and so you may say, okay, technically perjury, he's not maybe guilty of because of that. But we're supposed to be looking at this as do we think the, 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 not us, but the senators sure. are supposed to be de- determining off all the information whether they think this is the person who they want to be on the Supreme Court. Right. And if they think that, you know, he's obviously making that up, then they have to take that into account, right? I mean, that's part of the information that's being processed. So if you're going to hire somebody in a job interview and you get, you find out that there's a rumor that he done something horrible, but there's no proof of it, does not. Does that not play into your mind when you decide you've got five people to hire or five people up for the job and you want to hire somebody that doesn't weigh in your mind on that? And and should it or shouldn't it? And even if it does or doesn't, should, you know, there should be no. I I think it's relevant information. And I've always said that. I've said that from the beginning. But at a certain point, you have to go, okay, who is this man now? What has he accomplished? Oh, sure. How does he treat women now? Right. Uh, but, but that's my point is that how he's acting right now in front of Congress is more informative to me as if I were a senator than the charges from 35 years ago. Sure. Well, it was signif- his, his temperament was significant enough that he wo- wrote a Wall Street Journal op-ed mm-hmm. saying, I, I regret how I acted. Yeah. But I, I just don't find it to be a persuasive argument that he doesn't have judicial temperament because he's being falsely accused of all these different mm-hmm. things and being harassed sure. and he got pissed off in the moment. No, no, I, I don't Sorry. I don't think it's an issue with judicial temperament. I think it's an a, a issue with ethics. Okay. You know, an, an ethical issue. I think that he is what we've talked about before. He's a swamp rat. Sure. He's a, poli- he's a political creature and I don't think a, that political creature is going to rule in the right way on the Supreme Court. He's going to, you know, if something comes to him that's going to be, well, the Republicans really want this, he's going to try and find a way to make that work. No, I think we started with the most persuasive evidence. That's what I wanted to start with, with the episode with, was the most persuasive argument Mm -hmm. against Brett Kavanaugh. I don't find him fudging on bofing or whatever to be a convincing argument that he shouldn't be on the Supreme Court uh, because it is you have to take into consideration like we often in these situations want to break somebody into a hundred pieces and take the worst thing that they did and then the literalism takes over of the internet and goes this is why he shouldn't mm-hmm. be this thing and then we ignore the other 99 pieces of his positive characteristics mm-hmm. you know and, and so as a Supreme Court justice, is he going to go on and like write opinions about his 36-year-old high school yearbook? No. He is somebody who has displayed a long career mm-hmm. of being a, a competent lawyer and judge. And we may not agree with the way that he has ruled, and that is fair, I think, to judge him on. But mm-hmm. I think to say he shouldn't be on the Supreme Court because he didn't have the correct definition of boffing is right. just, to me, not it's, a convincing argument. It's more of a taking all of the information together that's just of course. a piece of of that information i mean the other part is during his previous 
uh, confirmation hearings when he says he had no knowledge of these memos that he was involved with. Sure. That's a much more credible. Yeah, that's, that's much more like credible. You start taking all these pieces together mm-hmm. and you're starting to come up with a picture of a person who I don't think is one of the top nine judges in the war in the in this country right. who should be on that court. Well, I never felt that way about Kavanaugh. Yeah. I but, mean, I mean that the- just informs that in my opinion. And that's the other thing too, is that all of this is more a case of trying to find a way to get the Trump supporters who would not like a neocon bushy, you know, judge in there. They'd rather have somebody who's more on their the old right type of things, right? Uh, and populism be in there. So, does this elevate him to their you know the rights constituents? Right. You know, now we have a a, a defense against men. We got to make sure that he's take. You know, it, it just seems like he's. That this whole thing's played out in order to f- more clearly defined define the sides of the issue mm-hmm. uh, of this, so he, they can squeak him through. I would I would agree with that. I think the entire process has been that way. Yeah. It's it's each side trying to do exactly. what they want. It's each They're both the pox on both houses in this. Yeah, this has exactly. been horrible. And the worst thing is both him and uh, Doctor Blasey Ford are the are the. I think more of the victims than us. The, the, because she vic- did not want to come out with this. She wanted this to be kept confidential. She didn't want to have to go to court. You know, everybody's like, "Well, she's doing this to make money and to be pay- be famous," but that's F not that. yeah. that's not consistent with what happened. Yeah, no, I think that um, I think they're both victims of this process, and I think Kavanaugh, you're right in that Republicans are trying to squeak a win through. Mm-hmm. And they, they know that if they were to lose, they take the risk, they don't get him confirmed, then they take a bath in the midterms, then you have an open seat for the rest of the time. Right. Well, you I know, think I think not having that seat filled and being able to point to the Democrats doing it would have gotten them more votes in the midterms. It's like which why, I'm surprised why they I'm, I'm I was kind of surprised that this this all went the down the way it did and as fast as it did because right. I thought it was going to get drawn out a lot longer to push up more close to November. Well, liberals can thank Harry Reid for removing the nuclear option. It used to mm-hmm. take sixty votes to clear one of the one no, of no, the no. Senate candidates. It wasn't for cloture. I mean, excuse right? Me. But not for Supreme Court justices. That changed last year. That's what I'm that saying. Was Republicans. No, it was it was Harry Reid who removed. Harry did it in 2013. Okay, didn't he? he? So so in 2013 it was removed for every all judicial nominations except Supreme Court. Okay, and then in 27 in April 2017, the current Senate With Gorsuch. Yeah, the current Senate said no. We're changing that the rule to include Supreme Court justices so we can get a win with 51 instead of 60, which I think is horrendous because I think people going to the Supreme Court should have a much higher threshold of bipartisan agreement. Yeah, but the the reality is that once you change a precedent, you allow the other side to do it too. Oh yeah, I think you know? I think they're they were both they're both wrong. You look at you look at somebody like yeah. uh like Ruth Bader Ginsburg was mm-hmm. confirmed with I think 93 votes. Yeah. You know, and there wasn't 93 Democrats in the in the Senate at yeah. that time. The precedent has always been the president picks. And Susan Collins, I put the video in the show notes, but mm-hmm. you should take the 45 minutes to watch her her arguments. You know, it is hilarious to watch all these liberals bashing a liberal Republican 
making a speech about a lib- uh, a, li- a justice who will be favorable to liberal things like Obamacare and Roe v. Wade, and he's not going to overrule Trump, and then watching Republicans like Rhino Rob Kendall making Susan Collins their profile picture because she saved Kavanaugh. Like, you know, did you listen to the speech? Because she's basically saying, like, he's everything you hate, Republicans. Right. But in it, she essentially says, you know, what is my job? She gives a 45-minute civics lesson that I thought was really interesting. And she's like, my job is to make sure that he is qualified to do the job, and I feel he is qualified to do the job. I I don't feel that her, you know, based on everything that I've seen, that it's possible that it happened, but it doesn't rise to the level of I'm uh, of I forget what the standard that she said she used, but it was basically like there's just not enough that I can convict the guy of this crime in my mind, and so mm-hmm. I've got to vote for him. Because I feel it is the president's mm-hmm. choice, and I'm just here to advise and consent, right. not to make the determination f- finally. And so now, when it comes time, you're not going to get Lindsey Graham to vote for. You know, Collins makes the point. I voted for Sotomayor. I voted for Kagan. I voted for two of Bush's. I voted for Gorsuch, because mm-hmm. my job is to affirm people who are qualified to be on the Supreme Court. And so Lindsey Graham's like, I voted for Obama's nominees. I will never. I don't think that you'll get a single Republican. Democrats are changing that precedent where they're not voting for the other side's nominees because it's Trump. Senators are coming out and saying, I'm not voting for this nominee before it's even named. Activist groups are putting out statements with XX in place of the name because they didn't even have the nominee yeah. yet, and they hit send accidentally. They had the, the protest signs with the line were ready there to write the name in. Exactly right. You know, So the whole process has become changed permanently, and you're never going to get that precedent back. You know, yeah. And that's part of the... Well, the I, issue here is that it literally now every Senate race for the rest of our time on Earth becomes about the Supreme Court, and it's because the Warren Court specifically changed the Supreme Court into an activist court, and liberals live or die because ultimately the the majority of Americans, I believe, are personally conservative. They may not be politically conservative, but they are personally conservative. And so they will vote for moderates. They will. I think if we didn't have gerrymandering, we'd have a very moderate Congress. We'd have a very moderate president. You know, somebody who leans a little left, left uh, of of left of right of center. Um, uh, you know, people want to be left alone ultimately, and it is. Well, it, I mean, studies show that sixty. If you if you take you know the issues and where certain parties uh, fall on those issues. 60% of the people in the country are libertarians. Yeah. Uh, they just, you know, they're not. I mean, they're not identifying as that for whatever reason. So, yeah. And it's the tribalism and the and the factionalization and the you have to vote for us because the other side is so horrible. Right. And, and that becomes so prevalent in the mindset. Like um, I have a neighbor. Uh, I don't have a lot of neighbors where I live, but I have one uh, especially dear to me, the the, the couple is just they wonder, well they're wonderful people they've always helped us out when we needed to i mean they are the most loving people in the world and then she uh, my neighbor posted on her facebook and forwarded the accusation that kavanaugh's house was uh um demo- uh, not demolished but uh, vandalized right right which was a completely fake story right and there was no basis in truth it came from a 
a, a website called abcnews.live. Right. Which is not ABC News. That's obviously. how they get you. It's You yeah. have to check your URLs, right. like nbc.news.ru.com. Like, yeah. it's not a real site. So so she posts this and, and is like, this is disgusting, and I can't believe the Democrats, and we need to step up and do this. And it's like, that's not her normal mindset. But she was so pushed on this because of the of the intense um, tribalization of the issue that it made her you know it, people are becoming sick physically sick yes from all of the stress and the and the fighting and the arguments and the dehumanization of each side it's the most frustrating thing i've ever seen it's why i can't do a daily show it's yeah. gonna kill it, it's like yeah. it, it's it it's gonna kill me you know and maybe i can do it at a point if mm-hmm. i have a staff of people yeah but i cannot do 10 hours a week mm-hmm without just making myself sick like without mm-hmm. physically just i i think the yep. re, the reality of living in the internet age and politics you know people like ben shapiro or or even jason stapleton can do it because they have some level of people helping with show prep and mm-hmm. it just i if you're if your responsibility is to sit in and wade into it all the time and it's mm-hmm. 360 days a year it's just like how did rush do it for so long i don't know man i i just i look at it and i go you know I like Glenn. I like listening to Glenn Beck because yeah. he has the be- best prep staff. Like I think yeah. his prep staff is very libertarian, um, <laughs> and so they have a lot of inf- interesting information a lot of times. And I have to tell you, his interviews on his podcast. He's if you download his feed, mm-hmm. you get the show every day. And uh, like he just interviewed Larry Sharp, um, but he has a podcast in there too that is really well done and interesting. But. Um, yeah, it just it's it is just too much. Like, and I don't blame people for just opting out completely. Mm-hmm. I don't want to vote. I don't want to pay attention. Mm-hmm. Everybody's full of shit. I don't want to. That's where I've come to the last couple of days. It's just like I, for this topic, I'm just like I'm done. It, it is. I I you know I called it my Waterloo. It's yeah. because it's it's so people are so hell bent. It, it is amazing how many times on this show that when we sit down and we do the research for the show and we put together the show notes and you read, you just go and read articles mm-hmm. from five sites. Yeah. The Washington Post, the New York Times, mm-hmm. Vox on the left, National mm-hmm. Review, and Reason. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe maybe zero hedge for the conspiracy <laughs> end of it. But you read those and you just go, wow, okay, everything everybody is arguing is not the reality. Right, and that's what I always. Every time I see an article, even if it confirms my bias, I will go check the other side yeah. and what they're saying about this, and they'll go, "Oh, whoa, this point's wrong, and this point this." And you go and look at it, and you're like, "Oh yeah, they are kind of fudging the thing here, and it's not right, and it's not as what they thought it was." So, and it's not as you know polarized as everybody wants every issue to be. Yeah, I thought Sarah made a great point in episode three eighteen. She's like, if I like a headline too much, then mm-hmm. I need to research the the article. Yeah, if if there's an article that's just so perfect for your side to share, chances are it's not yeah. real. <laughs> it's not there's there's a there's something wrong with with what they've written. But the other part of that, like I've I shared an article from Ross Douth, Douthit. I think it's mm-hmm. it looks like do hat, but um, I've shared two New York Times articles this week. Mm-hmm. One was by Ross Douthat, a Catholic, mm-hmm. who wrote this article that's in the show notes that's excellent. And it is basically talking, I, I talked about it in the last episode, it's sort of the, this is the reckoning of the 
feminist idea of sexuality. Like this is this, you know, they were bathing in it mm-hmm. at, in the early '80s, and now mm-hmm. this is the fruit of the poisonous tree. You know, and so it was a very conservative article and written from a Christian worldview. And I share it, and it's just, I don't read anything from the New York Times. Yep. They're terrible. So I share another article from Tim Keller, the pastor of Redeemer Presbyterian in New York. He is, uh, if you are a Christian, or even if you're not, but if you're a Christian and you've never read Tim Keller or listened to his sermons, you're missing out. He's he's uh, considered Yoda. He's, he's the wise man of the Christian uh, world right now. And he wrote an article about why Christians really shouldn't all get that involved in in politics, but they definitely shouldn't use it as a tool of division. And uh, shared it on Facebook with some of the quotes. And one guy commented, "I don't read anything that has New York in it." <laughs> this yeah, is, I, that I guarantee that this person, if you would read agree with everything they said, yeah. every single I did that with with Brian before he left the, the you know. An- an- self-deported himself he um <laughs> it was it was a video of, the, of these people uh basically mocking um kind of that over-the-top liberal mindset and everything like that and it, 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 he was a progress the guy was a he says i'm a liberal and i want us to win but i don't want any liberals to be alive when that happens because we all suck right right and it was just a, it was just a uh why do we act this way and 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 be stupid about this and be stupid about this and why are we doing that it was a great little video and he's refused to watch it because i posted it right because you're a socialist yeah because i'm a socialist people obviously the, yeah. this is i watched the first couple minutes of it and it's obviously you're trying to trick people into being democrats instead of libertarians i'm like the the idea that i've never understood this the idea that i somehow can trick you into believing in my <laughs> full beliefs. I may be able to trick you into believing one thing about mm-hmm. something, and maybe I can manipulate you on a single issue, but trying to manipulate or trick you into believing everything that I believe is so... You have to choose that life. Like mm-hmm. You have to choose that thought. Like you know, There was a guy who shared the Tim Keller article, and he's like, I've cooled on Tim Keller, and it's just because <laughs> he didn't embrace Trump full-throatedly. Yeah. And you're just like... You're choosing to, like, this is a person who wrote an article from a biblical worldview who mm-hmm. is not a liberal or even a conservative pastor. This is just somebody who is a moderate type, you know, very gospel-based pastor. But because he's not Franklin Graham on the TV every day saying how great Trump is, you've cooled on him. Right. Like, so your politics is now informing your religion, which is the exact opposite of being a Christian. I'm getting accused of hating, you know, being part of the resistance and hating Trump. And I'm like, right. I spent a year and a half defending Trump against the accusations of him with Russian collusion and manipulation, all sort of stuff. I'm like, that's all bull, right? Right. And I've been defending him on that. And then I get turned around because I'm a, I disagree with them on these other issues. Oh, there you're you just hate Trump. It's Trump derangement syndrome. I'm like, you're not even thinking, you know, about what you're saying. You're just regurgitating these points you've heard because you think they're going to be powerful, and they're not. They're not persuasive. They're not powerful. Everybody laughs at you when you do it. Stop it. Yeah. Um. So. But back to Kavanaugh. Back to, <laughs> back to Kavanaugh. Well, one thing I want to say, if you if you want to sure. take a second. My opinion on this whole thing is that there's no way any of us can know for sure, one way or the other, whether this happened, whether this didn't happen, whether it happened and he doesn't remember it, whether it happened and it was somebody else, all of that. 
So if you come to the opinion after all the information you've read that you think she's lying, fine. I have no problem with that. That's your opinion free to have. If you come away thinking that he did do it and he's lying, there's evidence that could be used to make that argument too. But it's when you get into the, I believe this. And if you believe the other thing, you're evil, rotten, horrible, falling for the other side's manipulation, but my side's not manipulating at all. The evil Democrats are doing this or the evil Republicans are doing this. It's like, I, I friended Rob Kendall. How'd that go recently? Um, I wish I had waited (laughs) because (laughs) immediately he's into the, uh, Democrats have to be defeated at all costs. We don't care. This doesn't matter. And the, some of the comments I've seen, it's just, how can you think that way? How can you go through life thinking that partisan that you're dehumanizing your opponents? We're all people just trying to do what we think is best in life. And we come to different opinions and different views and we can inform those and, and have conversations about them. But if you get to the point where you hate someone else just because of their political views, there's something wrong. With there's you. something seriously wrong with your soul. Like yeah. there's something seriously wrong with your thinking. Like it, it is, and it is. Get help. To, to me, it's human. It's human nature. Like we, I think everybody sort of lives at a base human nature. Mm-hmm. And some people are better at emotions, and some people are better at intelligence, and some people are better at physical skills, and some people are better at, you know, the various forms of life. They're better at their career, whatever. But at 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 the end of the day, there's always just a baseline. You're living out your emotions and your urges, and there has to come a point where you kind of step back and say, "Okay, I'm going to control these urges. I'm going to control my thinking." You know, you can. I, I tell people all the time, like, it, it, it's natural to get jealous in a relationship. It's what you then do with those emotions that determine whether you're a good person or not. It's not the you're not a bad person for being jealous. Yeah, everybody has base emotions that they get right. that they need to learn how to react on. Right. You know, you can't pretend that those shouldn't exist. They're human. Yeah. Like you will never erase anger and joy and guilt and shame and fear, and you will never erase these emotions. You will have the emotions. But it's how do you what do you do when you have those emotions? You know, if you are jealous, if you're jealous in a relationship, for instance, do you then start passively aggressively making comments or do you say nothing Mm -hmm. or which is okay? It's fine. Everything's fine. Or, you know, or do you say nothing because you step back and you realize like, you know, saying nothing can be a form of passive aggressiveness or it Mm -hmm. can be a form of. I'm having some feelings right now and they're irrational and right. I need to just let it go and well, it's not worth bringing up. Then there's the option of burying it for so long that when the smallest little thing happens, it all explodes. Exactly right. And this is what most people uh, do. They just sort yeah. of. And so the goal is you have to determine your goals. Like what I have found in my life is that I have to set the the goal. I have to set the guidepost and I know I'm going to mm-hmm. mess up. I know I'm going to fail with these certain things. I know it's going <laughs> to take practice. And so I have to be forgiving of myself as I kind of move towards that direction. Like, you know, as I said last, uh, like, I think celibacy is probably the goal if you're if you're not in a relationship, Um, maybe not even celibate, maybe not even celibacy, but just not having one night stands, for instance. But you're going to mess up or, you know, or you're going to say, my goal is to make no passive aggressive comments. First, let me understand what that means. 
okay, well, it's this, this, and this. It's it's not hinting at things. Like, hinting. If you're hinting, instead of just saying, hey, I'm having some feelings right now, and I want you to validate these or not, you know, or just being honest, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but having the jealousy isn't a problem. It's when you act on it, when you act angry, when you abuse people, when you lie about things, you manipulate other people. Those are the bad things. Like, and so I just think people are kind of when they're online talking about politics, they just something hits their brain, their fingers start moving, and they never stop and say they never take that beat. And Lord knows I'm guilty of it on almost a daily basis. Mm-hmm. Uh, stopping. Mm-hmm. Does this article have the correct date? Does this make sense? Mm-hmm. Or does this just validate my underlying beliefs? Because I want to support my beliefs. Because if my beliefs are in question, then I'm in chaos. And I can't have chaos. I need to have certainty. I need to have uh, uh, stability. I need to have safety. Mm-hmm. You know. And so I think it's worth people kind of learning how their brain works and some of these underlying emotions mm-hmm. that you have. Because once you do and you start to control your thoughts instead of your thoughts and emotions controlling you, controlling your behavior, controlling your urges instead of your urges mm-hmm. controlling you, mm-hmm. then eventually you get to a point where your interpersonal life, your inner world, your physical life, your financial life, your career, everything's better. Mm-hmm. You know, so what what I feel like everybody is doing is not enough people are trying. Mm-hmm. And I think it is an erosion of um there is no doubt that if you live in a society where religion is prevalent, regardless of the religion, then there is more of an incentive to to engage with that religion, and religion is usually based on personal growth and conduct. Uh, and, and you know, maybe people will argue with that, but the sociological reason for religion is to—it's software to basically to control humans. It's basically software implanted in the mind for you to understand cultural norms in a quick way. Mm-hmm. And by moving into this postmodern world where none of those cultural norms—in in fact, it's—it's it's a virtue to have no cultural norms and to. It's- it's leading us to hedonism, which is not something we're enjoying very much. No, it's supposed to be about human empathy. I mean, right. you're is a, so if you get in these arguments online, and I see this all the time, you get in an argument online with somebody who you don't know, you're much more fiery and angry, and you're blah, 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 blah. But the minute you know the person that you're arguing with, your tone changes, right? So there's... Um, Especially if it's there's a financial or sexual incentive not to be an asshole in that moment right but i mean even if it's just like oh i know this person you know socially i'm not going to say some of the things i might have said to somebody i don't know right but that other person that you don't know is no better or or worse than the person who you would temper yourself to say to so why are you doing that right um they're still and, human and beings. I'm guilty of it too so that that's there but there's a there's a great line it's it's also like if you wouldn't nuke your neighborhood, yeah. then why would you nuke someone else's neighborhood in a foreign country? You know, it's it's a human beings are human beings regardless right. of where so, they are. Yeah, so we, I just think people need to start thinking about that. And I got yelled at for um, saying that I think everybody should have therapy. Not that, I, and they're like, "Well, I can't believe you think everybody's broken." And I'm like, "I don't think everybody's broken. I think everybody could use therapy because." You know, if you if your car is not working right and you can't really figure, I mean, unless you really know how to fix that car, when you take it to a mechanic who knows how to fix it and he can fix it much quicker mm-hmm. for you, well, it's the same with going to a therapist. A therapist knows 
can identify and and uh, give you the tools to fix things, like make you realize you're acting this way because of this happened and you're not even aware of it. And then you come to that realization and go, oh, I am. That makes sense. But you would never have got there on your own. Somebody helped you get there because they understand how minds work. Right. So I think everybody talking to a therapist once in a while is just such a good idea. Uh, and I didn't used to think that back in the, you know, when I was 20 and 30. People who think that they don't need therapy yeah. are the very people, people who need, need it, it the most. Exactly. It, you know, uh, it's that resistance. Anytime you have resistance to something that is beneficial to you, you need to pay attention to that. Like, I have resistance to going to the gym. Well, I'm fat, so I should go to the gym. But there's that resistance to go, and it's that unconscious mind trying to self-sabotage. You know, people who don't, who who just like, oh, I don't need to go to the therapist. I'm not sick. I don't, I, you know, like, no. They're frauds. It's right. They're <laughs> all, the, you know, I just, I don't buy it. I'm sorry. Like, I just, I look at it and I go, anytime you have a natural resistance to something, you know, then there's a problem. Read the, read the War of Art by Stephen Pressfield, mm-hmm. which talks about resistance or uh, Do the Work, another mm-hmm. one of his books. Like, it'll really help you kind of get through some of that, but. But yeah, I think that that we're just kind of living in an environment where people are fulfilling their urges as opposed to thinking about how their urges will ultimately impact their long-term health and also the health of other people mm-hmm. and ignoring their social responsibility. I think as libertarians, we're all about individualism, but you do have you do bear some responsibility for the world that you're living in. Like you right. If you lived in a perfectly anarcho- anarcho-capitalist society, like you still would have responsibilities yeah. for not doing certain things to other people and creating certain environments. And so uh, it always goes back to personal conduct. And that's why I love this audience is that this is a, a group of people who really do think th- through these things mm-hmm. and are trying to be better people and trying to build a better politics. And uh, it is. It's, it's very frustrating watching this Kavanaugh stuff. And I think for me, it's the most frustrating to see people who want to care, but they're so stressed out and anxious by it. They're not on a side. They're not mm-hmm. left or right or in the tribe. They're like, right. I want to live in a better world. I want to get involved. I want to make a difference, but I don't want to get involved in this. Yeah, this is ugly. Right. I feel right. powerless to do anything, and I hate mm-hmm. watching people feel manipulated and powerless, and they know they're powerless and mm-hmm. feeling manipulated. Right. It's it's. A- there's so many people who aren't recognizing that they're manipulated. It frustrates me. Right. Right. I mean, there's a, like I was going to say, there's a line in, in a Harry Chapin song that uh, really has always stuck with me. It's called uh, what made America famous is the name of the song. And it, it's a, it's a great story about an event that happened in a fire and uh, people who used to kind of hate each other in the town, you know, the hippies lived here and then the, the conservatives didn't like them. And but anyway, they rescue the hippies from the from the fire and he spends the night in this in the house in the house of the person who he had previously put a swastika on their door you know because mm. there was kind of hate between them um animosity between them but he says it's when you get that close it's kind of hard to hate right right so when you know the person when you get to know people it's really hard to hate them is it's much easier to hate the nameless person on the other end or the the Democrats or this group of people because right. they're you're not seeing them as human beings. You're not seeing them as people. 
you're seeing them as an abstract thought. You're an avatar. Right. You're arguing so, an emoji. You're ar- <laughs> yeah. So so that's I think the worst part of all of this is that it, it puts people in this mind frame of dehumanizing their opponents so they can do and say anything. There was a comment that I saw um in one of the Facebook threads and about Ford who the person said I hope she gets karma and she gets raped for real. And I'm like how can your mind go there? How could you even say like even if you have that thought? Right. I can excuse you having the thought. I can't excuse you making the conscious decision to share that thought with other and people and thinking that you're righteous to do so. Exactly. Yeah, so I think uh, my feeling on Ford, so we talked a little bit about Kavanaugh. Yeah. Some stuff has come out, uh, and I want to read some of this stuff because uh, I don't think, and it's always a possibility, but I don't get the impression that Ford is a politically motivated actor. I don't get the, I don't get the sense that she's making this up because she wants to screw Kavanaugh. Uh, you know, maybe there's part of her that wants revenge. I think that would be a natural emotion if you feel that he was the one that, that attacked you. Well, there could also have been at some point where something happened between them that she feels animosity towards sure. before and she is going to use this. Yeah, as a, I mean, there's I mean, that's there's real motivation here, mm. I think, towards her, towards right. Kavanaugh. Uh, so, what, so this is from Eric Erickson, who is a never-Trump Republican who's coming around to Trump, but... Uh, this is this is all verified information. Uh, here, here's my take on Ford. I think she told some friends, and the friends are politically motivated people, and they have, and then they turned her over to their politically motivated friends in the Senate, and then those people didn't give an f what happened to this woman. So Grassley keeps saying, "Why aren't you turning over your polygraph or your therapy notes?" Well, the reason Ford doesn't want to turn over her therapy notes is that they're se- ironically she turned her therapy notes over to the Washington Post. A summary of them. I don't think a, it was a, a full note. No, no, no. It was yeah. it was those pages that right. were ra- that were pages. germane, right. right? And so the Washington Post didn't didn't uh, publish those. But if she turns them over to the government, then she knows that they will be leaked. FOI. Yeah, and so she knows that, and she's given them to the FBI, I believe. But she does not want to turn over to the Senate committee, specifically the Republicans, her therapy notes, because she doesn't want those personal details and information that aren't germane to any of this exposed to the public. You know, and and it's consistent with how this has all been handled, how she doesn't want to be the lightning rod she's become. You know, and it, and it is a sad commentary that the Democrats leaked her information, leaked her name, and put her front and center against her wishes, re-victimizing her. I mean, you want to talk about re-victimization, mm-hmm. then look at either Eshoo or Feinstein's office to see who did Somebody, this. Yeah. Somebody in the Democratic structure did this. And so I think that she is, in a lot of ways, a victim of ever saying something to the wrong friend. And that <laughs> friend, I think, may be um, uh, Monica McLean. And so this is from Erickson yesterday. Ford's beach friend worked for a loyal loyal Chuck Schumer ally. It appears what we all expected was true. These are his words. There has been a greater level of coordination to taking Judge Kavanaugh uh, to taking him out than the media reported. Grassley yesterday sent a new letter to Ford's attorneys that curiously asks for communications between Ford, Ramirez, and the Swetnick teams. Now, Ramirez is the woman who took seven days, six days to figure out her story. 
Swetnick is the woman who um, is working with Michael Avenatti, who claims the gang rapes. Which, honestly, Miss Swetnick, if uh, you went to multiple parties where there were gang rapes, why did you keep going to the parties? Well, and my, my no offense, on, but I would stop right. at one. My comment on that, though, is I think, and I was talking to I think Alicia Dern about this. Um, there could be a case made where she back assigned that to it, like. These were going on, but she didn't know it. And then when right. she found out, then she realized, oh, this has been going on this whole time. Uh, I don't know if no. they're. I don't know if they're going to try and make that case, but I think that's something to think. I, I'm you, not saying I think that, that what she's saying happened or any of that stuff. Did you but, read the sworn affidavit by the TV reporter who was 350 pounds and she hit on him, and he thought he he thought she was a call girl, and he basically <laughs> says this woman is totally po- politically motivated, and so it's under the penalty of perjury. It was a sworn. Mm-hmm sworn statement i think to the fbi but it's again in the show notes it's linked in there and the title something like you have to read this letter to believe it because it's so crazy uh, so uh, on top of that it turns out that ford's beach friend is none other than monica mclean she just so happened to be the spokesperson for preet bahara the former obama u.s attorney tossed out by trump he not only has turned aggressively partisan against trump but he was a top deputy and trusted aide to chuck schumer now, because of the FBI investigation, we know that Monica McLean texted Ford friend Leland Kaiser. Kaiser claims no memory of the event, and she said she went to the event with Leland Kaiser. Kaiser says that she uh, had no memory of this, and that's the person that was re- repeatedly referred to by Kavanaugh as, as his main, the crux of it was that I didn't do it because Leland Kaiser doesn't remember it. And Kaiser, you know, Ford said, you know, she's she's got an illness, and so that's why she's not here today. Like she has like a broken foot, not some mental illness, as it or cancer that would rot her mind, uh, as it was implied in there. Um, she Kaiser claims no memory of the event, and also said she never knew Brett Kavanaugh. McLean's text pressure Kaiser into clarifying away her story. Um, so to to go there, we go to Fox News. Uh, I know, but the CNN somehow, New York Times not covering this angle of the story. Uh, that's why I don't mind having a conservative press because you get you get multiple angles of you, things. You can find out when the, the the other side isn't being very honest, right? right? I mean, you need the both sides. So, Kaiser originally said in a letter to the Judiciary Committee on September 23rd, she does not know Mr. Kavanaugh, and she has no recollection of ever being at a party or gathering where she was present. Um. So this was the friend. Uh, so, uh, McKaiser told the investigators that she was, as the journal notes, the Wall Street Journal, urged to clarify her statement by Monica McLean, a former FBI agent and a friend of Ford's, the paper reported citing, who works for Preet Bahara, who is, you know, he has a podcast devoted to anti-Trumpism. Uh, it's a good podcast, but he's definitely got a side. So, so I think educated guess here. This is somebody who this Monica McLean is the person who hooked her up with Feinstein's office. They live in California. She's obviously somebody who's very well connected, a former FBI agent, deep state. I'm not saying. <laughs> I don't think the deep state is real. I think it's just. Networks well, I, of people who are politically interested. I but, think it's the swamp is the deep state, but yeah, I think yeah. she is the person who is connecting Ford to the lawyers, for instance, who are high-profile Democratic Party hacks. I mean, these are politically motivated people, and so I think 
she trusted McLean, and she shouldn't have because now right. she's front and center. But, but and going through. When all we this. talk about this thing too, is I think that that's unfortunate that they're trying to use the word pressure. I think that's part of the problem is that the conservative press is now saying pressured to do this sure. and when really it looked like to me that she had given the statement saying i don't recollect this ever happening yeah right and it was being used by the conservative press to attack Ford and say look this person says this never happened and she's like if if you're trying to say that you just don't remember it but you don't you know it may may or may not have happened they're using this the wrong way you right. might want to clarify it yeah. You know, if they were going to pressure her to do something, why wouldn't they pressure her to say, yeah, I remember that. I remember coming down crying and running out of the house and I didn't know what happened. Because it would be you too know, far because, of a stretch, though. Right. But I mean, this whole thing about her making all of this up is like, why wouldn't she have done such a much better job of it? It's not that hard. Yeah, but why would you have two people in the room instead of one? Why would you, you know, not say he did something much more egregious than what happened? Right. You know, those are the types of things that really kind of step out in my mind that make me believe that she feels something happened yeah you know i i i lean towards uh man i go back and forth i mean there are some days where i'm just it's, like that's the thing is that he, you, you, he did this and then i go yeah but there's also yeah. like the cutesy voice and like i, I don't know it, I'm, it's, I'm very it's conflicted all, it, it, it's not that clear cut and that's what really and that was Colin's. Me about that, that was Colin's point. Are. Is there's enough doubt here mm. that it's it's you know she's sincere but not credible, and I I've, I've heard people make that point, and I think that that's probably not far off. Is that she is sincere in her testimony, mm-hmm. but there's not a credi- enough credibility mm-hmm. to the accusation. Right. There's no. And, and the worst you know, part is that all of this is done is ensured that we're not looking at him as we normally would have 95% of his writings are not being viewed. You know, that nobody's talking about these, these, um, you know, decisions he's written. None of that happened after all this came out, like right. the sensationalism of it, the sexual. Nobody. You know, I remember at one point, blah, I know. remember saying on the show at one point, you know, remember when Kavanaugh was nominated a month ago and none of mm-hmm. us, because we moved on to some other thing. Remember mm-hmm. when we were talking about Alex Jones being deplatformed? Oh, yeah. I miss those days, <laughs> you know, like, and, and so, you know, poor Alex Jones, he's probably sitting here going, shit. <laughs> Now and everybody's going to forgive yeah, me. Yeah, nobody, nobody's uh, standing up for me when I need them the most. All right, so final thoughts, Ryan Hold. Um, final thoughts is is that I'm over this whole thing. He's going to get uh, – He's he might by this time already be um, a Supreme Court justice. Uh, I don't know if the Democrats are going to try to take over control of the House and Senate in order to impeach him. I don't know how uh, yeah, petty they're going to be about it. One House Democrat already said, we're going to investigate him. Yeah. We're going to, I've heard people say, it's we're going to impeach come, we're him. Come. Well, they're wanting to do that for Thomas, too, because yeah. they're saying that there's a lot of proof that, that Thomas thing they really want to happened. do it to, Let's be real. They want to do it to Gorsuch, because they feel that Donald Trump, you know, they've done it with, they want to do it to every single one of the conservatives on the court, mm-hmm. because they say Bush was not elected in 2000, and so, therefore, Roberts and Alito are not are not justified selections. <laughs> they say uh, Trump Trump didn't win the popular vote, so therefore these two are not. You know, they didn't I give Merrick Garland a hearing, so he's mm-hmm. not. So Gorsuch isn't. You know, it's just it, it it there comes a point where you just go. You know what? Yeah. Enough of you people. You're not going to be I, in charge because you're too idiotic. 
Right. And, and I wish I could say, you know, the Democrats are so bad and they are about all of that stuff. And I've fought and argued and defended Bush, who I'm like, why am I defending Bush against this? You know, right. don't stop making me defend people I don't <laughs> right. like. Stop making me defend Trump. But then again, then you've got people on the right who are just so over the top frustrating yeah and manipulative and it's like i don't like either one of them pox on both houses yeah but at the same time the and i agree with you the tea party when the tea party was raging the Mm. resistance is just the left's tea party Mm -hmm. but senators didn't have to be escorted places like democratic senators didn't have to have 24 hour like there's something more violent about these progressive movements that i think really eat at people's sense of security Mm-hmm. And I think it it does a really it does a disservice to the good honest Democrats in the world who just believe in liberal policies, you know, and and it sucks for them that they're they're attached to these people, but they probably ought to speak up and say like, hey, yank their chain and say it's not appropriate for you to go and you know, Antifa is not appropriate. Well, and the other part is to go and say, you know, maybe there's a better way. You could look at the Libertarian Party. We agree with you on these. And most of the Democrats who you're talking about, the the sane Democrats, are Democrats because they hate Republicans. Yeah. And they want people to be, they want, the, want people's rights to be defended. And otherwise, you know, they're libertarians. I think a lot of millennials, you know? a lot of millennials are Democrats because mm-hmm. they think they, they live under the idea that the, the, government can help right and they want people to be okay and then they also want people to be left alone because they want because of gay marriage and so but now we're at a point where it's clear that the more progressive wing of the liberals Mm -hmm. want to control every aspect of your life and how you think even and it's not tenable they'll get spanked yeah what what i was saying is that we try to say okay come on over to this libertarian side both republicans and democrats because if you're getting tired of their of what's going on over there and 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 everything they're doing and the factionalization and the manipulation come to us and then we've got people in our own party who are our own movement who are just as bad no not just as bad because those oh. no here's the problem the, the we, american guard we're we, gonna i don't know what that is but i'm <laughs> i think if you're in the libertarian eco chamber there's of course jackasses like joshua smith mm-hmm and there are people who just make life miserable for the libertarian movement, like mm-hmm. Joshua Smith and Matt Keneal and how is it? How do you say it? Uh, Canoe. Canoe. And, you know, like the, Kino, the constant Kino, arguing between the libertarian socialists and some of these. And it's but those people are have no power and they're irrelevant. Yeah. You know, but, well, Luke, Lou Rockwell. Lou, uh, Lou Rockwell can be very divisive. <laughs> I'm not going to go all the way in condemning Lou because of the Mises Institute, which is a gift to the libertarian movement but yeah especially I mean, if you want to support people who think you should stone gay people I mean. <laughs> well yeah like <laughs> what is it gary north gary north yeah no rockwell has i th- i think some issues uh with some of his ideology but i mean in, in terms of what he's done for the libertarian movement and raising up voice you know archiving this material and making it you know available to people i think mm-hmm. it's i think you know that the Mises Institute combined with the Ron Paul campaign, just that information mm-hmm. was there. Jeffrey Tucker mm-hmm. also gets credit for being the the brain behind that, you know, like which is hilarious because they all hate each other now. Yeah, and they all think you know He's everybody's a, blaming who wrote the the newsletters, right. and it's like you know it's either Lou or it was Jeffrey Tucker. But that's a, uh, but that's a great example <laughs> of like libertarians do the same thing yeah. where 
Ron Paul wrote the newsletter, so therefore I'm not going to support him. Like, you're not going to support a guy who's done more to grow the libertarian movement in the last decade right. than anybody? No, it, you know? that's, a, that's the thing, too, is you could say there's some bad things for Ron Paul, right? So he, right. He's, he, he doesn't focus on certain areas. He's, he's more focused on these things. Right. So those things end up getting, you know, his friends or his acquaintances end up doing things that make him look bad because he's not concerned about that sure. stuff. Like, go, go, if you're concerned about that stuff, then you go do it and right. let him do the, the Fed stuff. Right. You know? So, so yeah, I'm not going to say Ron Paul's a horrible person, but I think that there's flaws that should be pointed out. Um, and there's no harm in that. But no. I think my point is that the libertarian movement, yes, there are disagreements, as there would be with any movement. Of, there's disagreements, yeah. and we're libertarians. Oh, Gal- just, just Gal- look at Galt the- and Harry still haven't spoken in like a year and a half. But, uh, but it, you've, you also got Cato, you've got uh, Reason, and all the, you know, Cato and Reason are out there doing this, and then you've got the Mises over here doing this, and they hate each other. No, but you know what I've noticed in the last year? As things have gotten much, much worse, there, there is a sense of unity starting to grow. Mm-hmm. And so you have a Matt Welch going on a podcast with Tom Woods. You have you have people kind of coming together because things are so bad out there that in here with the family, mm-hmm. it's like eh, maybe we should work our stuff out. It's well, that's why I said I said something the other day. I said libertarian because somebody was complaining about all the fighting inside the libertarian movement. I'm like, we will fight tooth and nail because we love to argue. That's just a a, a, a reality about libertarians. Right. We love to argue. We'll argue every minutia point we can possibly think of but and so we can create these little factionalizations over uh, a three percent disagreement uh but the minute someone outside comes in it's family yeah leave us alone yeah right so uh, other final thoughts i was just like i said just i'm glad that i'm glad this is over and i wish people would take the second to now that it's over now that the decision has been you know this has happened uh, with Kavanaugh, uh, take a minute, take a take a, a week, step back, think about what you're thinking in regards to the positions and the people who you say are the evil on the other side, and and start to realize that they're just people, just like you, who are as emotional about this and as passionate about it as you are, and just understand that all the differences is that you might disagree on a topic or two, but they're still human beings. They still deserve respect. They still deserve to be treated as as um, equals in life and, and quit trying to dehumanize everybody. All right, my final thoughts. Woo, that was a little loud. Sorry about that. My final thoughts. Uh, I'm glad it's over, too. Uh, I've said enough already. So I want to thank uh, Jason Doolittle, Craig DaCosta, Christy Avery, and the Liberty Coalition and the Keller Boys for their support of We Are Libertarians at the $100 a month subscription level. Uh, thank you, guys. Very exciting time to be in the audience. Uh, we need your support. Please, if you like these episodes, share them, uh, download them, rate and review us on iTunes, Google Store, uh, wherever other reviews are made, wherever you listen, probably has a review thingy. And support us on Patreon. And we will see you uh, next week. Harry has a thing on Tuesday, so we'll be recording on Wednesday. Uh, But you'll hear from us on Monday, allegedly. So uh, (laughs) we'll we'll see how this daily thing goes for a while. So let us know what you think. We always appreciate your feedback at Editor We Are Libertarians. So with that, we say adieu, and we'll see you on Monday.